um, including that kid who never seems to age. So he was a child, I think, in Love Actually. And then in Game of Thrones, he's still a child, although I think he's he around our age now. So um, Queen's Gambit, and it's bizarre. Because he's still kind of like he's like a man child, it's it's uncomfortable. Like he has like little stubble, um, but he's still yeah, as like lanky um, and like childlike. It's like he just sort of stretched out and got stubble. Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to be read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Keep It Fictional with the Port Moody Public Library. I'm Fiona, and I will be your host today as we talk about Festive Reads! Yay! <laughs> so we've left it up to interpretation as to what a festive read is. There are many wonderful holidays to celebrate. And of course, there's always the non-holiday of just having a vacation and relaxing and having more time to read. So we have an array of different books to talk about today. Some murdery, some not. Of course, when I think of holiday books, I always think of Dickens and A Christmas Carol, and that is one that I love. And you may not know, but he also wrote some other novellas um, sort of around Christmas and New Year's, um, but they're not really as good. Uh, definitely entertaining, but The Bells um, is a very weird sort of attempt at um, A Christmas Carol that about New Year's Eve that just doesn't seem to fly quite as well. I digress. Let, uh, let's meet our panel for today. We have Miss Kareem. Very sparkly. I like Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Sadie, all decked out. Liz. Hello, Liz. And Virginia, who do you have with you today? Esquire. Squire has all the holiday spirit. <laughs> I love it. He's, he's representing. <laughs> and Fiona, I feel like as, if we get the Muppets to adapt like some of those Charles Dickens other Christmas story, maybe they would be good. That yeah. is a great idea. I think I will write to Henson Studios. But it simply that. will not be as good as Mickey does the bells. I mean, I'd be up for watching that too. Maybe we can have a little discussion of what your favorite Christmas movie is, because I know that's a that's a contested area for us. <laughs> but first, let's talk about books. Virginia, do you want to start us off today? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> the least Christmassy person. Um, okay, so I have for you today an anthology. I feel like fit the theme. It's all the stories in this anthology are set during the holidays and, you know, various holidays, at least winter. And I was also told that for festive reads for this episode, we have to find something that just warms your heart. And this definitely warms my heart. And it is Hark the Hero Angel Scream, an anthology edited by Christopher Golden. Now, uh, if you are like me, you know, 
horror is、uh, a year-round thing, especially during Christmas. And horror stories set during Christmas and the winter holidays are usually amazing. This one has eighteen stories, so eighteen authors. Some of them are horror writers. Some of them are not traditionally horror writers, but they are all here to present some good holiday scares for your enjoyment. Anthology always great way to get to know some new authors.、Um, this one here has people that you might have heard of: Josh Melamans, who wrote Bird Box and that got adapted into a Netflix movie; Shane McGuire, Sarah Langan, Kelly Armstrong. Sadie and Tim Levin, and among many, many others. Now, I don't usually read short stories. I don't actually really like them. <laughs> I, I can't get into them most of the time. But I find that maybe the trick to for me to read more short stories is to listen to them on an audio book. So I listen to this actually on an audio book, and the timing of the story just fit perfectly. For my commute, so maybe that's my way into short stories. But anyway, as with many anthology, it has a variety of styles. There's funny horror, there's creepy ones, there's tales of revenge, there's like post-apocalyptic dystopian stories, there's one that are downright disturbing, and there's also ones that are totally with shocking endings. And some of them, of course, are more to my liking than others. Not just for Christmas by Sarah Lott. Sarah Lott is a psychological thriller writer who usually has a bit of supernatural kind of bent to her stories. Really, really enjoy her books.、Um, and this one here is quite different from her usual thing. It is about a、um, a new kind of pet. They're kind of like robot. They're all like Wi-Fi enabled app, like all linked with apps, and they can speak and all that. And of course, you know these robotic pets. Only thing that they could happen to them is they could go very, very wrong. They are all going to start to act really funny. Then the things that that they end up saying, you know, these family pets are hilarious. And I think the audiobook really did make it like extra funny. I was laughing my head off at the totally inappropriate things that these pets end up saying when they went wrong. Some people compare it to a good. Black Mirror kind of episode, so that's not just for Christmas by Sarah Lott.、Um, we have a story. By Scott Smith, who is a great horror writer, who wrote the Runes. His story here is called Christmas in Barcelona. It's about a couple who decide to go on vacation anyway, even though they have just got had a newborn baby. So of course, like when they first boarded the plane, everything was kind of going wrong. The baby just won't stop crying, and everybody was just glaring at them. And you know, the story is not going to end well. But how not well it is going to end? Was a shocker ending, and it was amazing.、Um, another one called "Good Deeds" by Jeff Strand,、um, about a man who decided to do a good deed in Christmas when he was going holiday shopping, and he decided to buy this boy、um, a pair of shoes. That this boy that has a sob story about how he deserved this like fancy pair of shoes, and he's like, "Yeah, fine, I'll buy that for you." And he was so proud of himself. But when he started to tell this story to other people, nobody really recognized the good deed that he had done. So he decided to write a song about it to spread his good deed, and the song turns into a literally a killer hit. And then we have Michael Corita's Hiking Through, which、uh, Michael Corita usually write like thrillers and very good with like wilderness kind of survival kind of stories. And this one here is also about sort of a a wilderness story.、Um, it's about a hiker in the Appalachian Trail who is meeting other hikers on the road, you know, sitting by the campfire, telling stories, telling urban legends, and how he became 
one of the urban legend himself. But my favorite story in this collection is called Love Me. It is by Thomas Nagoski. And this definitely is because of the audiobook, I think, that, that really made this. Um, it's about a guy who decided to give his kids the best Christmas. And so he decided that he has no money to buy them gifts. So he is going to go rob some old lady's house. But the old lady has a super surprise for him. And that refrain of the title, like in the audiobook, like it just goes like, love me, love me. And it's just so good in the audiobook. I really love the narrator, the way he did it. And the story was just so creepy and so great. So give horror is something that you read all year round, even the holidays. If you want to get into the holiday spirit, um, I would highly recommend this collection of short stories. It is called Heart the Hero Angel Scream, edited by Christopher Golden and highly recommended on audiobook. Yeah, I know. What you expect? You're asking me to do a festive read. Come on. You know what's going to come. <laughs> I uh, I just wanted to ask if there were any um, stories about other winter holidays. Was there anything about Kwanzaa or um, no? They're mostly Hanukkah. They kind of set in during that holiday time. Like none of them were very specific. Mm -hmm. Some of them are specific Christmas, but many of them are just sort of set during the December time. Okay, I asked because I want to put out to our mm -hmm. listeners. I would. I really want to. I was like trying to do some research and find. You know, as I was finding my book um, not just think about christmas and i couldn't find like any books about hanukkah so if you know a book about hanukkah or kwanzaa i would love to know and i also wanted to, to correct myself the dickens uh, novella is called the chimes not the bells doesn't make it any better <laughs> all right let's get a little whiplash here and go to kareen i actually decided not to go with the murder mystery um it was a hard choice because there are a number of really good Agatha Christie, like classic Poirot Christmas tales that I could have chosen. But I decided to go with something a little bit lighthearted. Um, you know, sometimes the holidays are tough. I feel like these holidays are going to be extra tough for, for everyone. So I decided to go with something like cozy and happy and uplifting. And I chose the brand new book of Happy Narwhaladays. Um, by Ben Clanton. And this is, I believe, oof, the fifth book in the series. It is the fifth book in the Narwhal and Jelly series by Ben Clanton, who also goes by Clantoons. And it is the story of two best friends, Narwhal and Jellyfish. And it's starting to get really, really cold, very, very shivery in their waters. And while Narwhal is perfectly happy with that and can just throw on a little scarf, Jelly, it's a little bit tougher for them to adjust. But today, Narwhal is very exciting because... The Merry Myrmicorn is going to be visiting the ocean, giving presents to all of everyone. She spreads cheer, sheer cheer, and pure awesomeness wherever she goes. And Jelly is a little bit suspicious because the Myrmicorn sounds pretty made up. 
Um, but to be fair, Jelly did think that Narwhal was made up before they actually met them. This is a very, very sweet little graphic novel. It is perfect for fans of Elephant and Piggy um, or Jan Thomas fans. I'd say it's like a great book for grades one to five. Like I found it delightful as an adult. I really enjoyed the read. It was heartwarming. I got to think about waffles, which always makes me happy. And I learned all about underwater snow. So it can actually snow in the ocean. Yeah, it's true. Actual, like, not actual snowflakes, but it kind of looks like snow underneath the ocean. So I had fun. I learned things. You get these fantastic, cool facts at the end, which are fun little science tidbits, which is just perfect, perfect, perfect for the younger learner. So yes, I heartily recommend picking up Happy Narl it's hard to say, Narwhala Days, as well as the rest of the Narwhal and Jelly books. Thanks, Karine. I love Narwhal and Jelly. Um, it's like all the joy of Elephant and Piggy plus the like animal facts. It's so good. <laughs> and it has a shiny cover. So we have another surprise, um, which <laughs> Sadie looks Sadie looks very intrigued. It's that Sadie has chosen a murder book for her Christmas pick. I have. I have. I was like pretty surprised just in general that you would choose a book with murder, mm -hmm. but then also like at Christmas, because I know you're like you're a big Christmas fan. I am. I am. Uh, yes, yeah, so so my pick is um, a book by an author who I have read pretty much everything that this author has recently written. I have not gone too much into their kind of back catalog. I got into her books because she writes a lot of paranormal historical fiction and paranormal historical mysteries. Uh, which is right up my alley. And so that is sort of how I got into her stuff. And I, this is one of the few eBooks that I consistently buy. And this is a new series that she just came out with. And it is called Murder at the Mayfair Hotel by CJ Archer. Now she is, I believe, an Australian author. And I think probably fall more into the cozy mysteries type of genre it's not super intense there is murder in it but it, it doesn't it's not super gory it's not super suspenseful or anything like that um so the story follows cleopatra fox and it takes place in the year 1899 uh and it takes place on christmas eve it starts on christmas eve and so this is why um, i did select this book uh, for our festive episode uh, because it does start on christmas eve and cleopatra has recently lost her grandmother and she had been living with her grandmother after her grandfather passed a few years ago and her parents passed away when she was 10. Uh, so her grandmother has been the only family that she's had for the last three years and unfortunately her grandmother has recently passed and she has been told that she is going to go stay with her aunt and uncle at the hotel that they own in London. Uh, they are her only surviving family and so as a young woman 
in Victorian England. Um, it is up to them now to take care of her and to uh, to be her guardians. And so she goes um, from Cambridge, she goes to London to stay with them at, at this hotel. She doesn't really know what to expect. She's never met uh, her mom's sister. All that she knows is that there was a big falling out between her mother's parents and her mother's sister when her mother decided to marry her father. Um, and the falling out resulted in her mother's family, who was very wealthy, leaving her mother absolutely nothing. So Cleopatra, or Cleo, arrives at this hotel on Christmas Eve, not really knowing what to expect. Uh, she is luckily warmly greeted by her cousin, Flossie, and as they are waiting for the lift uh, to go up and see their room, she witnesses a bit of a strange interaction. There's a woman by the elevator who is waiting, a woman by the lift, and she's staring at three gentlemen. One is the assistant manager of the hotel, and two are guests. Uh, this woman looks very confused, and she is mutter muttering to herself about how this person should not be here. This person does not belong. There is no reason for them to be here. And she's, she's quite concerned um, why this gentleman is in the hotel. Cleo has no idea who she's referring to of, this, of these three gentlemen. And she kind of brushes it off. However, on Christmas morning, this woman is found murdered in her hotel room. Because Cleo had witnessed this interaction, she decides that she is going to look into this investigation a bit and see if she can determine who is responsible for murdering uh, this guest, Mrs. Warwick. She becomes friends with some of the staff um, after one of their team is arrested for the murder and they plead with her to help get him off, um, off the charge of murder. So she starts to investigate and uh, the book is about her investigation and the things that she gets right and the things that she gets very, very wrong and the implications that those have on um, her life, her aunt and uncle's uh, reputation and the hotel, as well as the livelihood of some of the staff members at the hotel. Uh, so it's a very light story, as I said. It's a very, very easy read. It's under 200 pages. Um, if you're looking for something that's a bit cozier, but you still want a little bit of a mystery, uh, it is a very good pick. Um, it has likable characters, it has unlikable characters, and um, with C.J. Archer's books, I always find that they're just nice, quick, easy, fun reads. So if you're looking for something a little murdery for the holidays, but not super intense, um, I would recommend Murder at the Mayfair Hotel by C.J. Archer. That definitely sounds up your alley. I can see how it would appeal to you, but I think that maybe, especially Kareen is, is also having an effect on us because I've been reading Agatha Christie and I've been watching Murder, She Wrote and <laughs> slowly sliding into the like, yeah, murder can be fun and cozy. <laughs> That'd be fun and cozy. Maybe not to the person who was murdered, but to everyone else involved. Yeah. Like who doesn't love a good Father Brown Christmas murder? Like, <laughs> Come on. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now let's take a pause from our books and talk about holiday sweets. What is everyone's favorite holiday sweet? And maybe you can also add your favorite holiday movie. I'm not a big sweets person. I don't like uh, an abundance of sweet things. Um, so my actual Christmas favorite, like the favorite thing to eat over the holidays is Christmas oranges. <laughs> 
Mm. I love them so much. Uh, I could eat a box of them by myself and then vomit, but then I'd still go back and eat some more. Um, I love them so much. And they only come once a year, which makes them really special. And then my favorite holiday movie is, uh, it's probably White Christmas. And it's because of the music and the choreography. And yeah, there's like... I usually watch it with the same people and there's like jokes that we make all at the same time or it's kind of like a Rocky Horror Picture Show where at certain points you have to say the certain things about it. So it's kind of like a little like fun ritual to watch. Um, the plot is bananas, but that's that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, so definitely White Christmas. I don't think I've seen White Christmas. Maybe I will watch it. So fun. How about you, Liz? Asking me to pick a favorite holiday treat is like asking what's your favorite child. <laughs> How do you choose? How can you choose? But um, I'm going to go with eggnog. As soon as it comes out in the store every November or earlier, it seems, um, we're grabbing a carton of eggnog and there's always one in the fridge. Now, Liz, <laughs> they do release eggnog very briefly for Thanksgiving. Are you a Thanksgiving buyer of eggnog or do you wait until it's re-released for Christmas? If She's it is available, now. I will buy it. <laughs> um, and as for a holiday movie, honestly, I don't really watch a lot of holiday movies. Um, but I'm going to have to go with Love Actually. Because it straddles that line between sappy sweet and also, you know, some of the heartbreaks that people find themselves in over the holidays. All-star cast some of the who's who of the great UK actors, um, including that kid who never seems to age. So he was a child, I think, in Love Actually. And then in Game of Thrones, he's still a child, although I think he's he around our in, age now. So um, Queen's Gambit, and it's bizarre. Because he's still kind of like, he's like a man-child. It's it's uncomfortable. Like he has like little stubble, um, like well, yeah, as like lanky um, and like childlike. It's like he just sort of stretched out and got stubble. Um, you know whose face hasn't changed? Mario Lopez. I saw a Golden Girl episode of him as a kid being tutored by um, Dorothy. And he has the same face as he has in Saved by the Bells. And then also the whatever the Saved by the Bell now is, is he's got the same face. He has not changed. It's saved by the chimes now. Yeah. <laughs> Are there holiday Saved by the Bell episodes? I feel like there must be. I feel like every sitcom at some point has a Christmas a, thing. At yeah. least one holiday yeah. version. Uh, Sadie, what's your favorite holiday treat? So I am actually, I think me and Liz are very similar. Um, I love eggnog. I absolutely love eggnog. I do wait, though. I do wait um, because it, it gets me, it makes me think of Christmas. And so I, I like to delay that a little bit. So I'm usually a December 1st eggnog, eggnog purchaser. Um, and my favorite thing, which I'm currently drinking, is chai tea with eggnog in it instead of milk. It is the most delicious thing ever because all of the spices are exactly the same. And so it tastes so good. Kareem's face is just... <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Katie. Yeah, brilliant. Really good. Um, I'm also a big peppermint bark person. So like white chocolate and peppermint or the lint peppermint. You can get the white chocolate 
peppermint uh, lint balls, which are really, really good. Um, and then for Christmas movies, we actually watch quite a few um, for holiday movies. We always watch Love Actually on Christmas Eve. So that is definitely uh, one of our favorites. I'm a big Home Alone fan, um, classic 90s Home Alone. And then a uh, recent addition is Arthur Christmas, which I think is absolutely hilarious. It's an animated uh, film that came out, I want to say five or six years ago. And it has humor for kids, it has humor for adults, and it's yeah, it's about uh, the second youngest son of Santa who is having to deliver a toy that was forgotten. Um, and he, he just, he can't deal with the fact that a child would be forgotten on Christmas. And so they get out the old sleigh, uh, him and his grandfather get out the old sleigh and the old reindeer and try to deliver this toy. And it goes very, very wrong. <laughs> yes, lots of fun. Now, I know you're a fan of Polar Express, Sadie. Have you seen the Polar Express movie? <laughs> I've seen the movie. I hated the movie. <laughs> um, I have, my mother has read me and my sister for the Polar Express on Christmas Eve for as long as I can remember. We don't do it every year, but she will read it over the phone to us since oh. we've been adults. Um, <laughs> And so that book has a very, very special place in my heart. I think my sister was given it when for Christmas one year when she was three. Um, so I would have been one. And so it's it's been in my life a very long time. So I avoided the movie for a very long time until I was asked to, a friend of mine has a podcast about children's books adaptations. And I was asked to do that. Um, for one of the episodes and so I watched it and mm -hmm. no no just I love Tom Hanks I think that Tom Hanks is wonderful I just could not like yeah yeah the beginning and the end were wonderful the beginning and the end were very accurate to the book and they could have left it at that and cut everything else out of the middle <laughs> uh, but do yourself a favor and listen to the hot chocolate song on uh, YouTube clips because you will be traumatized beyond recognition <laughs> do I want to do I want to that's what the holidays are all about <laughs> all right Virginia at first I was going to say egg not latte just have to have one of those but after Sadie mentioned the whole Lynn chocolate, white chocolate, peppermint thing, now that's that. And then also the popcorn, the, the popcorn with the white chocolate peppermint, also very, very, very good. Um, Christmas movie, definitely He-Man Shira Christmas special is the only thing that you need to watch on Christmas um, other than Die Hard. And that's my Christmas special. <laughs> my skeletal hold the little puppy and be like, but I'm good, but I'm evil. I'm not good. It's like the best thing in the world. <laughs> Gonna have to check that out too. <laughs> um, so the real reason that I asked everyone what their favorite Christmas movie, I'm over Christmas Carol, the greatest adaptation of all time, truly and it's it's such a good book like it's just it's such a perfect little novella uh and then the adaptation is just so like everything they add is just like like they took something perfect and then added things that made it better which is just remarkable all right Corinne, go <laughs> okay i like the mickey one as well it's good 
Okay, but my rebuttal point is the song that Michael Caine sings in the middle of it about his lost love. And I have never wanted the sweet release of death more in my entire being as when he was singing that song. The duet. There could have been another person singing. Michael (laughs) Caine was the only one I got. Because I know that that one is actually cut out of later versions. Like, they re issued it or whatever and they cut that song so you might be right about it (laughs) i am right i am right it ruins the whole movie i I, it is a very good adaptation the level to detail is like bananas i love that michael Caine actually like committed he's like i'm not i'm taking this seriously i am i am playing scrooge i am doing it true to form i am being in character i am doing this method so i appreciate that but mickey's christmas carol is still better (laughs) Well, I know that there is a um, Patrick Stewart adaptation that I haven't seen yet. No, not so good. Okay. I'm just going to try watching that one this year. <laughs> Does it have... There's also a, a Jim Carrey one, I feel like. Like a weirdly animated Jim Carrey one. I haven't seen it, but no. I don't think it exists. Like those two, The Muppets Christmas Carol and Mickey's Christmas Carol are enough. We don't need any more. You don't need to keep remaking it. Just kind of like pat yourself on the head, job well done, and retire. No, I just want to like have a whole day where I only watch Christmas Carol adaptations, like including like the Flintstone TV one and like just like anyone who's ever done it. I just, it's the perfect story. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, your holiday is coming up, so. yeah true okay i'm gonna try to make a smooth transition but now it's not because i acknowledged it um back to sweets which is that (laughs) my favorite holiday sweet is far and away gingerbread um it's the only like thing that recipe i have where i'm like yeah this is the recipe um i'll make it every year i feel good about it um and then i eat it all and i like just way too quickly I like decorating them. I like making them. They're good even when they're gluten-free. It's just the perfect holiday treat. Which is what inspired my book choice. Gingerbread by Helen Oyeyemi. Okay, so this is the first of her books that I have read. Um, And it was a trip. I picked it up not really knowing what her writing was like. And she definitely uses some absurdism in her books, uh, which can be a little bit jarring. But it was such a good holiday read for me because it was just, it kept me really engaged. She sort of says, like, if you're willing to suspend disbelief, just sit back and I will take control. All you have to do is, like, be there for the ride. And that was really nice because it just felt so easy to sit and read this book. You have no idea what's gonna happen, but like I say, you're just along for the ride. This book is about Harriet and Harriet's daughter, Perdita, and Harriet's mother, Margot. The first chapter may lead you to believe that they are semi-normal people and that this is gonna be a nice uh, read about uh, three generations of women in diaspora, which is something that I really like to read about. But they are definitely not normal. Um, They are of the Drew Hastana nationality, uh, where Harriet uh, was born and raised and Margot was born and raised. Now, 
there's a question worldwide of whether this nation actually exists or if it's just a myth. Now, of course, our characters are from there. They grew up there. They know that it's real. Margot was a member of a rich family who uh, married a pauper, a farmer, uh, and was disowned. Uh, and so Harriet grows up working the farm where there's not much to eat, except for, of course, gingerbread. Gingerbread, the perfect food, all sustaining. Uh, it covers the taste of the poor the poor flour that they're using to make it. It makes a wonderful and cheap gift to endear everyone to Margot and Harriet. Um, and when it's made in Drew Hastrana, it even has some pain numbing properties. So this gingerbread recipe is one that is passed down from the Lee family, the paternal side, um, but Margot becomes very wonderful at making it and that is passed down through uh, her, her daughter and her granddaughter and brought to their new home in England. When the book starts out, we, fought, we are with Harriet and her daughter Perdita. Perdita soon falls ill in what appears to be a suicide attempt. However, a note suggests otherwise. This note suggests that Perdita is actually trying to go back to her ancestral homeland of Druhastrana. As Perdita recovers uh, from the poison-laced gingerbread she ate to travel there, we hear the story of Harriet's upbringing in Druhastrana. Her strange experience of meeting Gretel, the well-to-do or the, the daughter of a distant relative of Harriet's who is very wealthy um, and, and Gretel is kind of a little bit of a mischief maker and possibly even a changeling. And Harriet finds her at the bottom of a well and their friendship continues from there. Harriet also goes on a journey um, to the city uh, to work as a gingerbread girl, which involves uh, wearing a strange costume and hyping up this completely fabricated life of a farm girl. Uh, from there, we learn about Margot and Harriet's leaving of Drew Hastrana and moving to London, where they meet the, oh, uh, the family who will become their benefactors. It's just, it's bizarre, but like I said, it's just really easy to read. And I find that sometimes absurdist books can take away from character. Like they're, they're more about uh, making a point or moving through a strange journey, which this definitely is. Um, but Oyemi's writing is just so wonderful and in the moment that no matter what she's talking about, um, I just felt captivated and I felt interested in her characters, despite the like, randomness of the choices that they make and the the weird things that happen to them without a pause to sort of really delve into them um yeah she's definitely someone who i'm gonna pick up um her other stuff i know that uh one of her 
most well-known um, books, Boy Snowbird, uh, is is very highly rated. So I'm looking forward to reading that one. Um, if you are up for something pretty strange, um, but easy to just fall into, I definitely recommend Gingerbread for this holiday season. I think it just makes me hungry. Very, very hungry. <laughs> now, do you have to have gingerbread next to you while you're reading it so that when you get those gingerbread cravings, you can just kind of reach over and... Well, it's a bit funny because that's what I was thinking, but then there's also like, you know, there's poison-laced gingerbread and there's like, it's really like, gingerbread is more of like a vehicle and like, than like just a simple food in this book. So it almost like, I love gingerbread and I'm still gonna eat it, but like I might be a little bit nervous when I have my first gingerbread after this. <laughs> just make sure it's gingerbread that you have made and like it goes directly from the oven into your mouth. So there's there's no no time for tampering. I won't be right, like buying any like authentic German gingerbread, like, you know, wrapped in mysterious wrapping that says made in Drupastrana on it. <laughs> and again, because you're watching all that Agatha Christie, you know what signs to look out for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We still have Liz um, to talk and I actually deliberately left you till last Liz because your choice just seems like the most in the spirit of, um, <laughs> of this topic. So out of character for me, right? Um, any of you who have been listening to or watching to our Keep It Fictional book chats are probably gonna be surprised by this pick today, but um, it's such a great heartwarming CanCon pick. So nod to you, Fiona, as our host today. Uh, and that is Christmas at the Vinyl Cafe by Stuart McLean, and uh, one of the stories in there is Dave Cooks the Turkey. <laughs> so for those of you who aren't familiar with Stuart McLean, um, he was the host of a CBC radio program called The Vinyl Cafe. Now his background was that of an author, a journalist, and a humorist, um, and the Vinyl Cafe radio program was one that he um, not only hosted, but he also wrote, and it uh, included stories, essays, and music, uh, and he even took his show on the road and did live readings of his stories. All of these stories on the Vinyl Cafe center around uh, this secondhand record store called, you guessed it, Vinyl Cafe, uh, which is owned by Dave and his wife Morley. Um, and the stories also revolve around his children and their family and their friends. So within Christmas at the Vinyl Cafe, there's all sorts of short stories about literally every aspect a uh, family who traditionally celebrates Christmas may encounter. So Christmas dinner, Christmas pageants, there's even a story about a Christmas ferret. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we're going to be talking about Dave Cooks the Turkey. Now, uh, as anybody who has ever hosted a Christmas dinner or has tried to uh, create that kind of a feast for themselves at home may be able to relate, things do not go easily for Dave this Christmas. His wife, Morley, has been preparing for the holiday 
for months. She's in this club with other friends of hers, and they've been doing all kinds of Christmas crafts and putting a lot of handmade love into things. Dave makes a comment one day, closer to the holiday season, about two months out, um, about his wife's habits and hobbies and kind of going, wow, you're, you, sure are, you sure are into this Christmas club thing, aren't you? And one day, Morley snaps. She is absolutely done with the family. Uh, she doesn't talk to Dave for a day or so. And he cracks and he says, what is it? And she explains that she's been cooking and cleaning and chauffeuring and shopping and doing all of these things for the family. And all she wants is to have a lovely Christmas for everything to be just right. But she's doing this all on her own. So Dave, being a pretty bright guy, he offers that he will help her. How can I help you, Morley? And she goes, well, I'm going to take the kids to the food bank to volunteer on Christmas, but we still need to get dinner on the table. So Dave either wisely or foolishly offers to take care of the turkey that year. Sure enough, Christmas Eve rolls around, Dave and Morley head off to bed, and just as he's drifting off to sleep, Morley goes, Oh, Dave, you, you remembered to take the turkey out of the freezer, right? And Dave goes, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. Yep, it's out already. No, it wasn't. So Morley falls asleep, and Dave tiptoes down to the kitchen, where he cannot find the turkey. He heads over to the chest freezer. There is no turkey there either. It is only then that it occurs to Dave that, hmm, Maybe my offer to cook the turkey also included acquiring the turkey. So at that point, Christmas Eve, Dave is wide awake. He tries to go back to sleep. He absolutely cannot sleep, and he gets up at four in the morning, makes a pot of coffee, and decides to go and find a turkey. I'm not going to give away the whole story here. Um, not only procuring the turkey is part of his adventure, but if he does in fact acquire one, how's he going to cook it? Super heartwarming stories. Um, I would totally recommend listening to these in audio podcast version. Uh, if you have the opportunity, these are stories where I feel like even if you don't celebrate Christmas or this holiday, um, quite like Dave and his family do, I'm sure we can all appreciate some of the hijinks that go on when people with good intentions try and make a nice time for everybody. And sometimes things just don't work out that way. I love that story. Every year we listen to it. So good. I'm not going to lie. It so sounds kind of triggering. <laughs> that sounds a little bit too familiar. <laughs> Remember, don't forget to take the turkey out. To defrost it or buy the turkey mm -hmm. and yeah i was gonna say or buy the turkey <laughs> i am the uh, only member of my not just immediate family but also some of my extended family who did not see Stuart mclean live before he passed and it has always made me sad everyone else saw him yeah i got to see him sorry that wasn't 
<laughs> I got to see him. <laughs> well, fortunately, his work lives on, his readings um, and his radio show live on. Well, I think that concludes our festive reads list. It's like at the end of like on Christmas day at about like 1030, my dad would kind of stand up and say, okay, Christmas is over. Go back to sleep. Holiday <laughs> podcast over. Go back to sleep. <laughs> Finished. Holidays are done. There will be no more speaking of it. Drink your nog in silence. <laughs> Definitely in silence. Does that stuff have eggs in it? Does it really have eggs? Yeah. Oh. It was just eggs and cream. Oh. And rum if you choose. Uh, I I have tried vegan eggnog once um, because the idea of drinking egg was too much for me. I made it about a half of a teaspoon in, and that was too much. <laughs> the uh, the coconut. There's a coconut milk one that's that I I don't mind as well. All right. Well, I'll, I'll try to find some of these festive reeds and sit down with a glass of coconut egg noggin. And uh, yeah, that's that's I think that will be a nice way to celebrate. And we hope that everyone out there also has uh, a nice reading holiday in front of them. Happy holidays. One and all. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional. <laughs>